we've been we've been going through this series, uh, Love Island, where we've said that typically romantic relationships are those where we go out to an island and we look forward to beautiful time, crystal waters gazing into each other's eyes. But then when the speed bumps of life come, we end up feeling as though we are now marooned on desert island. And we're wondering, how did we get here? How can we get out of it? Is there a relationship that can last? And today we come to the third series of it, and we'll be talking about throw your box. Sema, throw your box. Incidentally, young people, not young, let me not change that, let me, single people, you know those discussions at Des Apa reminded me of one thing. Young man or an unmarried man, what's the one factor that you should use to choose your spouse? or your wife, female wife. If you ask me, <laughs> well, just to avoid, for the avoidance of doubt. Eh? I think for me, when I look back in my situation, and I tell people who ask me about that, you see, there are things that will change, the way she looks, uh, the way, you know, she makes you feel. Uh, we go by that, Sana, especially those are looks. Eh? But for me, the one single thing, it's the conviction that that's the woman for your life. If there's anything that will stay with you throughout your marriage, it's that conviction that this is the woman for me. And that has been the case for me. She's become even more beautiful as we've gone along. But I still have the conviction that, and however you find it, Whatever it is, you find. When you get that conviction, I can tell you, my brother, you will get married to her. Pap. Yeah. It occurred to me that this was the lost rib for me. When I was thinking about who is this person who, I mean, I find myself just talking, eh? And fellowshipping deeply. And I, I remember going on a trip with some other friends um, on some mission to TZ, actually. And then seated somewhere, I was like, who would I have loved to be here with me? Bah! And it took out to me, hey, purity. Yeah? And, and, and uh, for me, I say, in fact, I used to say, if I was to go into that island, if there's one thing I'd go with, or one person I'd go with, it would be her to that island, and because that's what it has been for me. And so I do just want to appreciate my wife, Purity, my Valentine. She's been my, my wife for 15 years now. And Jana nilienda kuona waze wake. And So it's really been a, a blessed time that we've had, and I love you, and I appreciate you. And you are the one who is for my life. And the conviction that I have is you are mine forever. Until death was born. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Oh, you look No, I'm not setting expectations for people. Oh, no, Patia. Poleni, Poleni, Akuna pressure. No, it's just to say for me, really, as I stand here this morning, I am blessed. Yes, and I love you, my darling wife. And God has wonderful plans for our lives. Bado, namambo bado. Anyway, moving on swiftly. Um, but I'm serious. Young men, or whoever it is, 
conviction that this is a person, tafuta hiyo. Once that is done, me, I think you're sorted. So we've talked about how we walk into relationships with this invisible box of hopes and dreams and desires, right? And we say that we each have those expectations or those, those desires which we know will make us happy. We're getting into a relationship because anyway there are some things we want and relationships, romantic ones, are supposed to make us happy and feel good, isn't it? And so we get that into relationships with that, but what we don't realize is that when we get to our partner, what we're actually telling them is, you fulfill these dreams for me. And for them, that becomes what? Expectations, right? And so they come with expectations that you will make me happy. What we forget is that even they have hopes and dreams and desires, which they then turn over back to us and their expectations for over and over us. Usually weighty things that we are supposed to meet. And so we have that double chokehold to Mexicana Mashingo. You do this for me and you do this for me. And we end up feeling that, you know, even when I feel that you're not meeting my needs, you, on the other hand, are also feeling you're not meeting my needs. And so we wonder who will blink first. And the biggest casualty of that situation is gratitude because we have this expectation. So come on, expectation if you don't, if you do it, you're supposed to do that anyway. You're paying your debt, isn't it? And similarly to me. And so gratitude disappears and we end up living in a debt-debtor relationship, right? And so we sink in slowly into a situation where we are not having what we need and to Mexicana Mashingo. And we've said that um, last, last week, we said that one of the things to help us out of this the other week is that we should do as Jesus did. We should love as Jesus did without expecting anything back. That whatever we give to our, in our relationship must be given freely, expecting nothing in return. And that we must practice that uh, attitude of gratitude in our marriages. And so again, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, so you should. And then last week, we went a little bit deeper. We said that in order to get unstuck, we would need to apply this principle of mutual submission, right? Where he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Seeing what Christ has done for us, seeing the way that he has accepted us and loved us in spite of all the way that we are, he has loved us. And so similarly, we do that to one another in a relationship, in a marriage relationship. And for the, for the wife, the expression of that is submission and respect for your husband. On the other hand, for the husband, it should be love for your wife, caring for your wife, dying for your wife, because she is like your body and you take care of your body, right? You don't harm your body. And we say that if we're in that situation of double uh, mutual submission, then we're actually showing the world when a woman submits to her husband, we're actually showing how, you know, we submit as a church to Christ. And similarly, when a husband loves a wife with all that he has, then prioritizing her needs and putting her above himself, if we do that and when we do that, then we demonstrate how God and Christ loves the church. And so it's really something that should be a show of the mystery that there is in this. But there's a question that we haven't answered yet, and that is, what are we supposed to do with our box of hopes and dreams and desires? You know, we looked forward to 
a life of romance, right? We wanted to be treated very, very nicely and, uh, and, and um, respectfully. We had this expectation of a certain kind of lifestyle, and we are looking for a partner to make, and make us fit that part. Celeb couple, no, no, all that. We had all those expectations, and we have them. And we've said that when they're interpreted as expectations, then they become a very heavy weight for the other person to carry. And, then, and this is one thing, because they're not designed to carry my box, my partner will inevitably let me down. And so the spiral begins to happen in marriage is that the desires, hopes, and dreams become expectations, and then as expectations are not met, they then become frustrations, right? They become frustrations. And I become frustrated because there was a promise of a certain kind of lifestyle, and now it has not materialized. Maybe I, have, I was intending to have someone who will provide for me, you know, those surprises of, honey, and it's a car filled with balloons, and you cut, and, and then it's a, a Range Rover, you know, Vogue or something. Eh? It could be that um, we have certain kinds of expectations in terms of how we'll, we'll spend time. Somebody will make me happy. They'll always be there for me, to listen to me. You know, at the end of a long day, as we said here, they'll be, you know, all reflecting about my day and how it was and giving me airtime and making me feel, you know, important. But when that does happen, then I get frustrated. There's a way I want to be treated. There's a way I want to be loved. There's a way I want to be respected. And if that's not happening, I get frustrated. There is, um, uh, well, this one, Tajingililia Kidogo. You expect him to mend things around the house, senior. You expect him he makes it. But you find Mumekami Zimbili and uh, the handle is gone, but all you have to do is ingiza bairo zungusha because the guy has not <laughs> has not repaired it for a week. It's a tap that is leaking, Munanza Kufunga na blada, and he's seeing that every day. You know. Men, you feel me. Because sometimes actually as men, eh, there's just something about at least for me, Najitatea, eh, that um, you can, yeah, you know it needs to be done, but you're like, yeah, we can live with it a bit, eh? And then you're waiting for some sort of psych. And then one day, two months later, you get up at 9 p.m. in the night, <laughs> and you chapa-chapa that thing, and make it and mend it, and things are sour. But your spouse has been waiting two months, frustrated. Yeah, frustrated that that tap has been leaking like that, you know? I know like there are some showers are supposed to, to change, and it took like two years. No, no, let me explain, let me explain, let me explain. <laughs> no, let me explain, let me explain. No, they are solar, it's, it's solar water, so you know it's hot, eh? but then, it, and like now it is, you put in a cup and make tea, eh? but in those cold months of the year, you're not able to use that, isn't it? So there was only one shower that had, had put the instant shower. So at those cold months, we all had to queue for one shower for two years. And then one day I just you know, made some alterations so that they can do both shower and that. And my wife has been very happy since. But it's just one day. So you can get frustrated because it's something that needs to happen, but it is not happening, yeah? I'm <laughs> still your pastor. Yeah? Yet you, you, you expect that he will work on how you guys will own a home. But what he's doing, he's adding or changing the rims of his car. 
or is thinking about a new car. Or, you, or on the other hand, you, as a man, you're thinking about, you're initiating how you're going to own a house. You're thinking about maybe how you'll own a home or something, and you're trying to work plans na maesabu hapo, but Ash is like, now is the time we need to move to an upmarket neighborhood, we increase our rent, because, you know, but you, tension. my expectation is that we would do this, but it's not happening, and we begin to have frustrations. Or you could expect him to be romantic, you know, flowers this weekend. Tony Mrambas, you and Angalia. I don't know why you're looking at me like that. Flowers because it's Valentine. But this guy is from deep Mount Kenya, <laughs> where gifts are practical. <laughs> so you will be frustrated because uh, it's not coming. Your hopes are not. The guy is practical. Or it could be about um, what was read here by Pastor Jade the other day from one of our uh, members here about your body not being your own, you know. And so somebody has expectations on sexual intimacy. And then it's not as enough as they want. It's not as good as they want, both ways. And so it becomes a frustration because it's not becoming what you want it to be. And maybe the other person is not listening. This is not working for me, and so on. Yeah, so... It becomes a frustration. Or you could be wanting him to be a leader. You want a kingia mahali, he sets things in order, he's organized, you know, a kingia mahali and your kiongos, you know, I'm a chairman. Because he'll take, you know, things in charge and ask questions and bring people together and do what? Hey, but now your guy is a shy introvert. meeting, He's one who's asking you to ask the question. Ask them. <laughs> That's because that's how he is. Becomes a frustration on your part. Yeah? But you how that thing is so wrong. Why didn't they? They should have done this. Frustration. And so your hopes, your desires, and your dreams um, becoming expectations. And when they are not met, they become frustrations. And we live with this frustration. And sometimes it's, what makes it worse is it's not because the other person cannot do them. It's just that somehow they don't see it. It's not that they can't. You know, um, when we got married, my wife was like, um, had an expect, well, had an expectation that I would call her every day. You know, like, hi. So me met my two texts. Ah, oh, kwaje leo kosawa. Yeah, you did not call me. I'm like, but I sent you a text. <laughs> and so, so what are we supposed to do with our legitimate desires? Is it too much for my wife to desire, you know, some attention for me? Is it too much for me to desire my wife to respect me? Is it too much to have the desire that your husband will be careful with how he handles money and prioritize it well? These are things we want to answer today. Now, most people take three options with our box of dreams, um, especially if our spouse is not able to get keen to meet them. And all the first things we do is that we ignore it. We ignore. We pretend it doesn't exist. Uh, you know, because if we just give and give and give and never acknowledge what's in our heart, then what happens is that the things begin to simmer underneath and 
they bring all kinds of issues because you've bottled it up, you're ignoring that. And what usually happens is that you usually explode either in situations that become extreme or bitterness uh, builds up because you've ignored those desires, the legitimate desires that you have. So, you know, let me just ignore that I have these desires, let me just serve him and so on. But that's what happens. It tends to eat you up because a healthy relationship should be one that you are able to express yourself. And so if you don't, it's unhealthy, you're eaten in the inside. A second issue is to replace your desires and hopes and dreams. And so you turn yourself into your children, you focus on your work, you choose some hobby or sport that you engage in, and so you go riding 200 kilometers and come back because you are trying to replace that whole aspect of these desires are not being met. In fact, what that does is that it pushes you even more apart from each other because then you expand yourself in your work or in your hobby or in your children or even in your friends. And nothing else. And so you end up becoming more of roommates than, than, than a married couple. A third option is to push it. And so because we are being frustrated, we take this box of frustrations and we keep nagging the other person and telling me, yeah, yeah, let's talk, let's talk, let's talk, let's do this, do this for me. And so it becomes uh, something that is nagging, criticizing, you know, keeping on insisting on it. And that, of course, does also not help the, the other person because push, pushing our frustrations to the other person still doesn't make it any better. A fourth option is to leave and go, to live with it. And so people will take to affairs, will perhaps walk out of the marriage, and will keep changing their partners. But then you forget that as you do that, there's one constant factor. Wherever you go, you're going with your box of frustrations to the other person, and you keep swapping people forgetting that until you deal that, you'll never get someone who is perfect for you. You know, I, I know some people who say that um, I'm, not, I'm not looking for a perfect person. No, I'm looking for the one whose weaknesses I like. You know? Sounds like those CVs, eh? Where, what's your weakness? Oh, no, me, I work. I'm a hard worker. I work a lot of hours. <laughs> you know those things of say, my weakness, eh? I'm sure if I ask some of us, you'll tell me what it is. So what makes you think you're going to find someone else who fits in, someone else who can do this thing, and yet we know your expectations, sometimes you're not even clear about them. You know, they keep changing as you go along. And so that doesn't become an option that you get into. So what then do we do? Here's the option. Here is an example of how to deal with it. It's given by David in Psalm 55. And this passage is not addressing dating, it's not addressing a marriage situation, it's simply addressing a relationship situation, but giving us some insight and some advice on what and how to turn our dreams and our relations uh, and our expectations and our frustrations and what to do with them. And it says this in Psalm 55, verse 12 to 14, it says this, that it is not an enemy who taunts me, I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me, I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, 
and my close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Wow. Ever felt that in your relationship? Hmm? The person closest to you is actually the one who's probably most likely to hurt you the most, it is said. And the ones who are our friends and our spouses also have the power to wound us the most. And this is what uh, David, the psalmist, is saying here. And he goes on to say in the passage again, he says, as for my companion, he betrayed his friends, he broke his promises, his words are as smooth as butter, but in his heart is war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. Talk about betrayal. And many have felt, about, many have felt like this in romantic relationships, where you had a, a promise given to you, some expectation of the other person, or some things they say. But in reality, when it turned around, after you got married or you got into a serious relationship, then they broke their promise. And people might even be saying, oh, he's such a nice guy. He's charming. She's so kind. She's so beautiful. But you, on the inside the relationship, know something different. No, because they are unkind. They are hurtful. They, are, they could be charming to people out there, but for you, who's close to them, you're painfully wounded by them. So what everyone sees as um, a charming or a beautiful, a charming man or a beautiful woman is someone who stabbed you in the back and you do not know what to do. And that's the reality. That's David's reality here. And he's saying, look, close to me, close friend, I could have dealt with that wengine wote, lakini you, bana, you're the one who's stabbing me in the back. How do you deal with that? And such frustration. And so you can see that David, as you know, was a man of war, was a military man, and you'd expect he knew how to fight back. And naturally, what we do ourselves in such situations is that we fight back. We say, no, you can't do that to me, and we, uh, we seek to assert our position. And when we are with someone who does not meet the end of the bargain, then we fight too. And sometimes we fight aggressively, sometimes we try to control them, sometimes we try to coerce them, sometimes we try to manipulate them, but we fight back. And, you know, when that doesn't work, we retreat into ourselves internally and we start asking ourselves, no, why did I get into this? Why did I marry this guy? How could I be so wrong? And those thoughts begin to, you know, be heavy on you. And the battle for unmet relationships, unless, unmet uh, expectation, continues to rage on. But here is where David departs from the rest of us or what we expect. We expect him to fight back. But listen what he says. Instead of fighting... He chooses a completely different route, and I must tell you that this sounds very, very different and counterintuitive. And even for me, I had to pause and say, am I actually saying this? Well, let's see what he says. You know, because it's not the kind of thing you will hear in, in your favorite magazines saying something like, this is the 10 ways that you'll make him love you again, or some podcast that will be telling you maybe this is three ways to make up before the Valentine Day or such things. No, it's not that sort of thing. It's really something uh, counterintuitive. It's not the sort of thing you will hear from your, I don't want to get into trouble here, from your talks in the salon <laughs> or with your friends as you watch soccer matches or in such other places 
It's not something you'll hear because it maybe sounds a weird thing. And this is what he said. Are you ready for it? David, what David does, he picks his box of frustrations and throws it to God. He takes it and hurls it to God. It's not what I was expecting you'd hear. Eh? But what he does is that he looks to God and he says to God, and look at verse 15. He says, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead for evil founds lodging among them. In other words, he's simply saying, you know, the frustration of what these guys have, have done and said. He's like saying in modern language, 21st century, he'll be saying, let these guys go to hell because of what they've done. He's really taking his frustration and saying it as it is to God, complete with what he's, he's feeling. He's saying, hey, and then sometimes you feel like, hey, I don't know, we ask you to say go to hell. I don't know if there's anything stronger than that today. Amen, somebody? Go to hell? <laughs> you can say that sometimes. You feel like you're saying sometimes. But you see, let's not get lost in the language, but what David is actually saying is that exactly what he feels is what he's expressing to God. He's bearing the reality of his soul before God and opening up to him in a real and vulnerable way. And if you don't believe that this is the part of the prayer, listen to the verses that follow. So he, he's really just opening it up and saying, God, this is what I feel, and this is what I think, and he's saying it as he feels it to God. And then if you come to verse 16, he says, finally, as for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. He says, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. So what David says is that I pick my box of frustrations and instead of targeting my enemies with it, or my spouse in this case, I hurl it to God with all my strength. I pray honest prayers about the situation and I give it to God. No, and I suspect you're wondering, hey, really, Ben Mash, is this what you are uh, saying we should do? Is this a solution to our frustrations and to our prayers? Um, is there anything, nothing more practical than that? Well, I think it's because maybe we may, not, we may not have tried to pray some honest prayers with God. You know, God is not afraid of anything that we can tell him. Because in the first place, he knows what is there. And so you can tell him, God, I'm frustrated. Oh, what is expectation But is it frustration in Zito? You know, you know, you you it's really what actually even what I was saying, you can say, because it's like, you know, there's even a, a prophet who was saying, God, you have deceived me. And we know the truth of the scriptures is that it's you know, we've just sung it today, God does not lie. But you express that frustration to God because you feel it. And it's a frustration that he is able to handle because he is God. And so, you could only say, you know, you are the one who led me into this marriage. Like I was saying now, I'll say, God will impart your conviction knew you <laughs> in the middle of it. I go back to him and say that. And lift it up in prayer. And open up all my heart. And point to God, explaining why I'm tired about this person. What this person is doing and how it's making me feel. And I pour it to God and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you, this frustration. Even saying that you're done with this relationship. As raw 
As these thoughts are, they do not intimidate God. God is not intimidated by your raw and honest and ugly and perhaps rude and untidy prayers. In fact, I believe the big part of the reason why David became, was known to be a friend of God is because he did exactly that. If you look at Psalms, as, as I happened to just put the book of Psalms on, you know, the one that reads for you, eh? You put it on. Hey, it flows from one psalm to the other. We just try that. I was like, hey. No, it feels, it flows from, oh, Lord, to another one. Lord, you've crushed me. Again, oh, it's just a, a sort of a seesaw of emotions eh? as you flow through the psalms. And that's because it was a friend of God. And they are, they, those prayers are filled with rage, with longing, with sorrow, with all manner of expressions. And so this is what you need to know, that God intimately knows your frustrations. He knows what's in your box. In fact, he tells us this in 1 Peter chapter uh, 5 and verse 7. He says, cast all your anxiety on him. Throw your anxieties and frustrations uh, to him because he cares for you. He cares that you have unmet desires. He cares that you have needs for intimacy. He cares that you have needs for you know, provision and all those things. He knows, and I'm even saying this not just to those who are married, but even when you're not married, there are frustrations that you have, there are things that you feel, this is not going the way I want. Lift it up and give that to the Lord. And so when it comes to romantic relationships, we can choose to ignore it. This is the box of frustrations. We can choose to ignore it, replace it, push it, or leave it. Uh, but over time, we come to realize that even though there may be some immediate results to these other options, none of the solutions will ultimately work. And what, what God wants you to do is, before you throw your box to someone else, try and throw it to him first. But let me warn you um, that taking this approach may not necessarily go the way you think. You know, you might expect me to say, ah, throw your box to the Lord and then walk away and everything is right. No. It might not go the way you think. Um, because when we decide to pray honestly to God, when we consistently lay our frustrations to him, what happens is that God will sure answer you, but he will bring changes, and he may bring changes. But the first set of changes may not be in their person, where you want that to happen, but they may be in you, right? You may be thinking, no, I'm not the one who needs to change. It's the other person. But uh, what God does is, first, he... He, he, may, he may change the following important areas. He may do the one of the following things. One is to do something about your dreams, hopes, and desires. And sometimes when you begin to examine that box, you may realize that some things were not as important as you thought they were. Some things were perhaps driven by certain other, you know, shortcomings that you had. And so, Bringing that to God might cause you to actually say, yeah, maybe this thing is not so serious. You know, I remember like uh, for, I'm just giving a loose example because frustrations can be as small as what I'm going to say or as big as life-changing things. Like for instance, for my wife, some of the two things were like, Akiku serve chai. You know, she serves until, you know the way those who believe we don't have mzungu noses, eh? So they don't just fill the cup, eh? We used to call it meniscus. 
anasaba mpaka na meniscus <laughs> and so you're like hey, hata ukianza kunywa hiyo how do you start will you start the <laughs> so you end up having difficulty taking the cup to your mouth because somehow you'll spill on yourself eh yes frustration and like hey you guys punguza hiki tu wacha kusaba watu hivyo ama king ama wakifunga gari ya mlango ya gari maybe you're in the car and she's going out itakuwa boom you'll think there's an earthquake the way she sets the door or the boot slams it near so i might think if that's a frustration that's significant but you know you just come to live with it you realize hakuna kitu kubwa hapo sio so you may just come to the point where because of expressing your frustrations and there could be a range of expectations as you frustrations that you have right now you may come to think that's not a big thing so god changes that aspect the second area could be the view of yourself you know it's possible that uh, your box of dream you know all those cash lifestyle and so on but you may realize that it's an issue because of the way you were brought up it was a significant thing for you and so you realize that maybe not the issue so you change your perspective about a specific thing so you yourself change with regard to that thing so the situation may not change but your view of it changes you change that that area of the result of praying this frustration so one is to change the situation itself the other one is to change yourself and the third one is actually god might change your spouse i mean you've had stories where you know spouses were violent and all that and something they were alcoholics and so on but god was able to change them and they turned and they became serious men of god i'm sure we know men of god who tell you the stories of the things they did in fact also my let's not fish under the blood is of tuzilifanyika before we got saved we don't talk about them because those ones were washed by the blood so we don't fish ukochini to bring them we don't go under the blood because of the things that they did eh? and so god might help you um you know and bring the other person to change and maybe your empathy your prayers your stance about him and so on causes him to change and becomes um you know a different person you might actually realize the things they do is because of their shortcomings you actually begin to feel anyaye nafani muombe sabu anakaa yuko what's causing them to do this is actually something i pity them for and then you 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 in for fighting when you fight for them and pray for them something happens and they change and then the fourth area that could change is that you might just get some insight into who god is getting insight into who god is you might discover that um you've been trying to squeeze something out of your husband or your wife or your fiance and that was never theirs to give in the first place it was not them to give that thing you've been pushing for security you've been pushing for identity you've been pushing for unconditional acceptance but these are things that is god you realize it's god who gives these things it's not your spouse and then you change that and you see god as the one who fills you as a person and not your spouse and so it ceases to be an issue and so you will see towards the so those those four things so it can be that god will change and alter your dreams or your hopes and desires it could be yourself who change it could be your spouse or it could just be even that your god your insight into god also changes and so towards the end of the psalm david says this cast your burden unto the lord and he will sustain and uphold you towards the end of the same psalm so david sort of comes around and says take that frustration cast it to god 
and he will sustain and uphold you. So if nothing else, because God knows your frustrations, because your situation is not changing, and I'm, not going, I'm not saying here that when you do this, the situation will change. No, what God does is that he sustains you through those situations, as difficult as they may be. Because there's a time for hanging in there, there's a time for those changes to happen, whether in your dreams or your spouse or yourself, but there's also just the fact that God will uphold you. So you have a choice to either ignore, either replace, push, or live, your, live with your frustration, and that's a one-way ticket to destroy your relationship, or you could choose to take those frustrations and throw to them to God in prayer and invite his power to work in your heart and in the heart of your partner. So we said last time that we need to look into your box. We talked about uh, what's in your box. And then we also asked, gave homework about sharing with your spouse or with your partner what's in your box. And I want to say that we might take that lightly, but it's really very significant, especially if you're in a relationship where you know someone cares for you, that if you find a situation where you can explain to your spouse how that thing is significant and important for you, it may cause them to actually turn around and say, for this, I'll do for you. Because when my wife made it clear to me that for her, it was important, you know, just to feel like, like think about her, that she's important to me, that the thing that will cause me, cause her to feel that, is simply calling her during the day, once a day. Ah, I'm like, that's significant for her. Ah, atambili ntafanya, sinyo? Because now I know, I truly understood this is really significant. It's not just out of, um, yeah, 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 yeah. It could be all those, she could have been throwing her frustration to God, but ultimately when I get to share with another person who really has a heart for me, and they hear it not out of your being, you know, it's not being pushed or nagged or something. It's just the way you can have a conversation and realize, anyway, this thing is important for her. Then you, as a person who is supposed to be dying, and prioritizing her needs, then you will just say, I will do it. And similarly, the other way around, if it's something that, you know, telling your wife that if she does a certain kind of thing, is respectful, then she will consider that and do it. So what's in your box? Share what's in your box with your spouse. And if you're in a situation where you can listen to one another very easily, then you can do that. And now one of the things... Um, I need to say as I bring this to a close is that we sometimes need to be equipped to have some of these conversations. We need to be equipped to know how to respond in certain contexts. By virtue of being men and women, that's already a significant uh, difference between us. You see, right? And then just, that's just one. Then just bring in the aspect of the upbringing. This guy was brought up in Mount Kenya. So when you're asking for flowers, and, and the same thing with, so that's, that's their bringing, just their bringing is different. And then thirdly, could also be just personalities, like I alluded to. For this person, you're expecting them to be loud and aggressive, loud and assertive, but maybe that's not who they are. And so there's a need to have the skills to have conversations or 
know what kinds of things to do in the various settings that you're in. And which is why I would like to recommend the Ndoa Festival. In addition, we have the Ndoa. We have the Ndoa program, and some of you who have been through it know that you actually get to discuss some of these aspects of personalities and all that, these issues of money and so on. How do you raise this? How do you do that? And the main thing it does, it allows you a space to have conversations with your spouse. It might be very difficult for me to go and start a, a, a discussion on uh, intimacy with my wife, just out of the blue, senior. You know, I, they might feel a bit, ish now, what, what? But if we've gone to some place and some discussion has been had and you're told this is homework, then it's easier to start that conversation, clearly. So my encouragement is for married couples, we have the Andoa uh, Festival coming on the March of 16th to 18th. It's a great place to be so that we can have even deeper conversations and so that you can have opportunities to have discussions start uh, from that platform and you take them back to, to, uh, to your home. And I think the big difficulty in relationships is getting the other person, to getting the time to, or the space to talk with your spouse. Kweli Rongo, just saying, let's talk about this. If you come and tell me, let's talk about this, it becomes a bit, but if we have some way to start it, then it helps the situation. I know even just praying together as couples, if you ask me, uh, from my own experience, if there's one thing I'd like to recommend to couples, is just pray together. If there's only one thing you will do, pray together. They're just the two of you, not with children and so on. And I'm sure I've said that before because I'm sold out to it. I've seen it work in my marriage and other marriages. And it's difficult just for spouses to pray together, even pastors. They'll be praying for people, they'll be praying in groups, they'll be praying together with, us, with their spouse in a group of people, but just the two of them, difficult. Because when you do pray together, then you express what's in your heart to God, the hearing of the other person, but you also get to, to agree on some of the things you'll pray for. Or you actually get to, you start to pray, but you talk for one hour before you can get to decide, no, this is how we're going to pray. Because you're trying to say, okay, how do we, let's pray for a house. And you start saying, but no, 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 you enter into a discussion that goes into, by the time you're praying, you're aligned. And the second thing is that there is no power as the power of two people in agreement. Scriptures say what? When two agree together, everything it's on earth shall be done for them. Just agreement. Because getting to the place of agreement, and I'm saying, try it. I'm not even saying faith all or not, just agreement. Let the two of us agree that this is done, it will be done. And it's not just the agreement of saying yes, yes, but it's the agreement of where you've come out of your hearts, discuss and come together on an issue, and when you agree on it and pray for it, it shall happen. And the whole thing of one chasing a thousand, two chasing 10,000. You know that scripture, eh? Ah, yeah. So, so, so I'd like to invite you for that and to pray that, um, so, so we'll have details shared in the course of this week and maybe here because there's actually, it's, it's 16th is a Thursday, 17th is a Friday, 18th is a Saturday. So on the 16th, it's a pastor's conference. So if you have pastor friends who are married couples, that's specifically for them on the 16th. Then we have the 17th is a dinner for couples and then the 18th is a whole day for Saturday for couples. And so choose, I, mean, I encourage you to attend, look at what is good for you, 
but I'd encourage you to attend that, and we'll be sharing in due course what will be there. So this week, I want to give you homework, and this is, uh, I want you to list the frustrations that you have in your marriage. <laughs> I've seen some looks from some men here. <laughs> I don't know. But it's, uh, list them, and then take some time to talk to God honestly about them. And you can be honest, I can say to God, just say, Lord, this is what it makes me feel when this happens, this is, and so on. And just list those down and express them to God. And I say the same thing even for you who is single. There are some relationships, there are some situations that have caused you frustration and you are wondering what to do and you tend to do those same things, push back on people, you know. So take time also and just say, for this relationship, hear my frustrations and bring them to God. And so next week, we're going to be ending this series and we'll be, talking to, we'll be talking about the most important choice that every coupled person makes in the course of their relationship. We'll be talking about that. And so please invite your friends to come, uh, married or not, and you never know, you could save someone's marriage with the things that we share. I'd also like to say, to tell you that there are married couples among us, so if there's something that you have uh, an issue in your marriage, feel free to walk up to others and just ask. Like I said, Pastor Jade is here. If you're in a situation where you're in a, uh, um, you know, a difficult marriage situation, there's violence or there's those sort of things, come. There's help for you. Do not feel like you are alone. Amen?